So knowledge of the proprietorship of Bhagwan, which he claims um, is his position when he says in the Gita, the end of the fifth chapter, Bhuktaram Jagatapasam Sarvaloka Maheshvam, more or less everything belongs to me. Knowledge of that then um, diminishes within us the tendency to try to take it for ourselves and rather to use it in his service would be would be the idea. Um, so there's a practical renunciation. What do you renounce but the false sense of ownership? That's all that you possess. And by way of acknowledging to whom it does belong. Um, that's very beautiful. And um, that said, um, because Bhairaga is an anga, a limb of the angi, the body, of Gyanmarg, um, and is prominent in the Gyanmarg. It's, it's, it's one of their angas, it's one of their practices. Um, they often appear very renounced and uh, um, as more of a traditional ascetic. Mm. And um, certainly during the in the formation of the Sampradaya, the Goswamis were dealing with that sect and its prominence in the religious landscape and its claims, if you will, on renunciation, which is thought to be everything. Mm-hmm. So the Goswamis themselves ex- set a pretty good example of, of renunciation that might even frighten some of the Advaitins. Um, but they were clear, Rupa Goswami was clear in stating that Bhairagi is not an Anga of the, of the body of Bhakti, hmm? um, nor the knowledge of the oneness between the jiva and Brahman. There is a oneness between ourselves and Brahman. They cultivate that, the jnanis, that's their all in all, hmm? with a desire to merge in, in, into Brahman. And to further that knowledge, they practice detachment, and detachment furthers the knowledge, the knowledge furthers the detachment, so on and so forth. Um, but given that their particular philosophy Nothing of the world is real. Not even um, uh, the form of Bhagwan, the object of bhakti, is a thought to be a provisional manifestation of Brahman for the embodied, who they worship to get beyond. And uh, and so those engaged in the worship may accept things of the world for the worship, but they are not um, fully detached. Would be the idea. Um, I met a girl once, young, young young lady, I should say, and she had been traveling in India, and she went into the Himalayas, and she had been in Vrindavan, and she had been influenced by bhakti. She had some beads and she was chanting on them and so she was with these sadhus, heavy 
Gandhi's Tapasvis, who knows what, and there's all kinds of people in that dress in the Himalayas. And they told her, you have to throw those beads away. Mm-hmm. Throw the beads away. For them, fasting is superior to prasadam. Mm-hmm. So, um, these things, the beads, can be used in Krishna service. Do you understand? It's the Tulsi, it's dear to him. Mm-hmm. Prasadam, food offered to Krishna. It's, 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 it's higher to take prasadam than to fast. So, that traditionally, that's how the term was used. Mm-hmm. That the devotees accept things in the service of Bhagawan and in the context of the limbs of bhakti there are any number of things that we will accept and consider that they have spiritual value we think that the deity is eternal there's, there's a paraphernalia and so on and so forth it's all sacred it's not something to be given up it's something to become attached to so this is the difference then between the uh, Gaudiya's with their practical yukta bhairagya, it's a bhairagya that yuktas, that, that in one sense, that links one hmm, to Bhagavan by being connected to things that are dear to him or by seeing things in relation to him. Hmm. Um, and so this is very different than the Advaitins. And then if you take, yes, there are some um, Vaishnav saints, the Goswamis were like that, and, and particularly, I think, for the um, founding of the Sampradaya, that was important to show that kind of standard of renunciation, to see that, show that we, we're meditating on Radha and Krishna, but we're as detached um, as, as you are, if not more. And therefore, our claim that Radha and Krishna are uh, spiritual is, has weight. And of course, they would say that as well, but not to the, way, to the extent to which we say that. Um, and so then here comes Bhakti Siddhant Saraswati Thakur and Bhakti Vinod. And again, our Paribhara is peculiar amongst all the lineages of Gaudiya Vaishnavism. It has made a particular um, and unique contribution in its outreach and its attempt to, um, to bring uh, Gaudiya Siddhanta to, to, to the world. And so in the context of doing this, they've been successful in doing that. They've made certain adjustments Bhakti Vinod, Bhakti Siddhanta, my Guru and others, to do that. They've um, broken with uh, formal tradition of details in, in, in certain regards. They, they, Bhakti Siddhanta formed a sannyas order, put his men in, in, in his sannyasis in saffron out to, to preach and said, stand out, look like the Maya bodies, we're in saffron, we must be renounced, as the common people would, would think, they must be renounced, and so forth. Bring deity dignity to them that the that the tyagis of Gaudiya Vaishnavism didn't have hmm? because there's so much misrepresentation of Gaudiya Vaishnavism. Bhakti hmm? Vinod wanted to actually take away the um, claim to leadership to Gaudiya Vaishnavism from the traditional Gaudiya Vaishnavas at the time. He wanted to take it away from them hmm? because the way in which, to whatever extent, either because of misrepresentation well, because of not representing to, to the public. Hmm? In other words, there could have been sadhus, but they weren't dealing with the circumstances in, in, in the world in such a way that, with, that dignity was being brought to Gaudiya Vaishnavism. So what's, what's the value of that in terms of the dispensation of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, which obviously was 
part of what he was about. You can say, well, he's really about Radhabhav, so we're just going to be absorbed in that. We're going to forget about the Yuga-Avatar side of it and the dissemination and so forth. But it's better to take Chaitanya Mahaprabhu as a whole and see that actually his distribution is kirtan, some kirtan, was, is, is, through his example, it qualifies one for internal life. And of course, that for that matter, the distribution of Gaudiya Vaishnavism is not the distribution of the ordinary Yuga Dharma. It's not entirely by any means divorced from the internal reasons of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's descent. Therefore, Krishna says he took the kirtan, Namsan kirtan, and with the Yuga Dharma, and wove it together with a wreath, the garland of praying and garland of the world. So, Nam Shrestam, right? Abhisachibhutram, that's the highest conception of the name given by the son of Sachi. That I received from my guru. Not the ordinary conception of Hare Krishna that could give you Taraka, Brahmanam, liberation to Vaikuntha. But Golokel Premodhan, Harinam Sankirtan. Mahabharata brought the wealth of Golok, it's praying through the medium of Samson Kirtan. So, um, so Bhakti Vinod, it was a huge task on the, on the two sides. One, to wrestle the, the kind of leadership, if you will, um, from the uh, traditional Vaishnavas of the time and, on the other hand, to interact with the modern um, public. And in doing so, obviously, he had to become familiar with their ways and their thinking and their instruments, tools, and so on and so forth, like like motor cars. and every Vaishnava was going barefooted. Every every tagi, barefooted, and and uh, and therefore, <laughs> Bhakti Siddhanta, following the ex, the order of Bhakti Vinod, he started gave more shape to that, and he began to interact with the public even further. And he rode in a motor car, and he called it Yukta Bharagya. And he's right, but it's certainly an extension of beads, prashadam, and so on and so forth. But um, it certainly falls within the, you know, the, 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 the definition of, of the term. Mm-hmm. So he used these the modern instruments in the service of Sankirtan, in the fire of Sankirtan. And they did effectively wrestle away the authority for Gaudiya Vaishnava. It pretty much came into the hands of Bhaktivinoda Thakur in Bengal. Mm-hmm. I mean, he was a huge figure, and uh, in the Vaishnava community on the one hand, and a very big figure in the in the um, um, in the secular world, hmm? uh, working in the government and uh, with his connections and so forth with British and, and whatnot. Um, so he was very successful in that, and then of course from there it's been exported and and uh, brought around the world. And, so on by my guru Maharaj. And, um, 
And Bhakti Siddhanta gave shape to it in India and sent missionaries, to, as you know, to England and, and so forth. So um, there's uh, our Paribar is kind of a departure um, in some ways from the way the details in which by, by, by which uh, in relation to which or through which uh, Gaudi Vaishnavas was being expressed in, in practice and naturally that kind of raised some eyebrows and you do it differently what is this you know I mean Bhagavad came to Vrindavan one time I think the first time after he started his mission with some of his new sannyasis and they addressed in suits like priests, black suits with white collars, you know, the white priest collar, and shaved heads and tilak. Mm-hmm. And the people in Vrindavan are like, what is that? Mm-hmm. And you know, he was being creative. Mm-hmm. And uh, I mean, they criticized him for wearing saffron cloth, what's speak wearing some get up like that? Mm-hmm. But he had great power, and he was very, obviously he was successful. And also you have to look at the innovations and so forth as as something that you might think, some of the innovations were practical, were in relation to details, some of them were in relation to the the philosophy, just a couple of them, the way they emphasized certain aspects of the philosophy and so forth. (coughs) You might look back and think, I don't understand why that was a good idea, that innovation, but that's not ours to, to choose. Or to, that's not our call to make. What we look and see is they were successful in what they wanted to do. They spread Gaudiya Vaishnavism all over the world, seeded it everywhere. That's what they wanted to do. They've done it. It's successful. Why Bhaktivinod sought to emphasize in certain ways the philosophy and uh, like inherent bhakti or something like that, or probably emphasize the falling from Goloka times or from Vaikuntha. It's their call. It is not our business to question the um, the uh, any particular strategy that they used, but it is our business to question whether any of those strategies are useful at the present time. But to try to go back and put yourself in their shoes. And then the, I mean, what Bhaktivinoda did was incredible. It was incredible. Out of nothing, you know, out of the dustbin of bad, of, of ill repute, bad reputation, he, Gaudi Vaishnavism surfaced, and there was a contemporary, in contemporary uh, uh, thinking in Bengal. I mean, there was a, at the time of Bhaktivinoda before he did that. If a Beng, if a Gaudi Vaishnav came to the door of a pious Hindu family to beg, and they asked their servant, who's at the door? He said, oh, it's a goat. He said, oh, give him some fruit, send him away. we got nothing to hear from them. They lose their caste, so they run away and call themselves Godia people. This is how it was thought of in Bengal. And he wanted to make it relevant in America. <laughs> This is its home in Bengal. Hmm? And this is how it was perceived. Hmm? So he's, he's, what he decided to do and what liberties he felt that he could take and digest. Hmm? The fire of Kirtan can digest a lot. 
If you make aparad to the deity, that's called seva aparad. If you do kirtan, it'll be digested. Hmm? Even if you have to make, you may have to, you may 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 leave the deity and make some seva aparad hmm? for the call of sankirtan. There may be an instance; it will be digested. So kirtan has great power. This this outreach, it's it's the it's the Dharma. It was the method of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's madness. Hmm? So he was a great commander, you know, in the in the in the uh, uh, field of uh, Sankirtan, and he did what he did. We can look back at some aspect, of some strategy, and question. Well, I don't think that was a very good. It's not our call to do that. Why he thought to do, and so forth. We leave that. Hmm? But it is our business, as I say, to think whether any particular strategy that we uncover, for example, in relation to Siddhanta. And there's a couple, hmm? the way he emphasized whether that strategy still has a shelf life or whether that's expired and now we can bring it back on, on course, so to speak. It is our business to do that. But otherwise, we, we bow and all Gaudi Vaishnava should bow to the successful strategy of, of Bhakti Vinod. I mean, our party of Bhakti Vinod fulfilled the prediction of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu that his name would be heard all, all, all around the world. Hmm. That's very auspicious. Hmm. That's very auspicious. Now you know you, you, it's important what I'm talking about also to evaluate now what the preaching strategy was then and whether it's pertinent this time or whether it's counterproductive at this time. They have a shelf life, and not doing that and just doing kirtan that may be problematic at this time. Hmm. It is in my opinion. So until um, so you, you've heard my emphasis and so forth um, but um, that's what they did and that was their to use a word their you could do by ragya hmm, employing all types of things printing press hmm. and now it's common you think of oh, Gaudi Vaishnava books there it wasn't like that hmm. um, you know they were like what do you call them? etched some manuscripts you know from long ago and was uh, um, there may have been a little something here or there, but Bhakti Vinod, I mean, he, he like was publishing a Nadia Prakash. Every day he was publishing a magazine, like the newspaper, Nadia Prakash, Nadia Prakash. His brahmacharis would go to the train station, Nadia Prakash, Nadia Prakash, as people got off the train, Nadia Prakash, and sell it like that. And if they would sell one magazine, Bhakti Sananda would be very pleased to hear the news. So, what happened in Bengal was that educated people began to join and see Gaudiya Vaishnavism in a different light, like Prabhupada. Prabhupada's father was a Gaudiya Vaishnava, but Prabhupada was... At a certain point he joined Gandhi's movement, Sridharmarsh also. But when they heard the preaching of Bhakti Siddhanta, then they were very taken by that. They saw it in a different light and so forth. So he began to get educated people. And you'll see that in some of their magazines, like The Harmonist, which they published, um, I think, uh, every couple of weeks, then they, they would, the lettered men who had degrees, they would keep the secular names with M.A., B.A., Doctor, mm-hmm. Professor Sanyal, and so forth, <laughs> and so on. For, because people thought that that's, of course, if you got that, then you're important to him. 
and so on. Um, so these are all. They, they, you have to kind of kind of try to place yourself in in Calcutta, you know, in in nineteen uh, nineteen ten or something like that, you know, nineteen oh five, and how Gaudiya Vaishnavism was going on, and all of a sudden here comes this whole new thing, and they're employing all these things, printing every day, and calling themselves MA and BAs <laughs> instead of Krishna Das and and so on and so forth. And he retained certain things, and he would take things, try this, let that go, and different strategies, and so Bhakti Siddhanta. Our Rumaraj also, my Rumaraj. Um, it doesn't seem as revolutionary to us, but if you can, like I say, project yourself back there, it was quite extraordinary, it raised quite a few eyebrows. And, and not only did he, it was he uh, preaching um, Gaudiya Vaishnavism, um, to the public, but obviously two Gaudiya Vaishnavas as well, and and um, in, against the uh, to whatever extent it was, I mean, not the monopoly of the uh, the um, what do you call them? the um, the priestly class of the Advaitins, Smartas, the Smartas. And that, and that is what Bhakti Vinotakura was talking about. He said, preach the Daivavarnashram. He considered that they were doing Asura Vaishnavarnashram. Where Vishnu wasn't the center. They didn't have respect for Vaishnavas. And they're doing Vaishnavarnashram. And Vishnu was the god of gods. And he, he, according to, see, there's a, there's a, a, a type of Varnashram given in the Bhagavatam that's all about, all for Vishnu, centered on Vishnu. We consider that the proper form of that. There are many gods and goddesses in the Varnashram that are worshipped. But it's all meant to pump blood to, so to speak, to the heart of, 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 of Vishnu. Bhabhadra um, Goswami wrote a book where he showed how to do all the different rituals of Varnashram for householders, only invoking the name of Vishnu instead of any other god for the time, for the people of the time. They would have a religious practice. They would be bhakti-centered, socio-religious practice. So this is very different than the Varnashram that was going on at the time where Vaishnavas weren't being respected even. So he said, you know, and preach the Daiva Varnashram, the divine idea of Varnashram. So he preached against what they were doing, uh, you know, Brahmanism, over Vaishnavism. So he has, had a famous talk that he gave. What is it? What is it? Bharat? No, oh, uh, Brahmana Vaishnava. Brahmana Vaishnava, anyway. Yeah. A, a, a famous talk. I think Bhakti Vinod was supposed to give it, but he fell ill and Bhakti Siddhanta went to give it or something like that. And it was apparently a powerful talk. I never read the whole uh, it's, it's been published, but... What is Brahmanism and Varnashram? What is Vaishnavism? And how the Vaishnavism is a superior position and so forth. And it seems obvious to us, and it's there in the Bhagavatam, but it wasn't in the religious landscape at the time understood like that. So, you know, there's the initial idea of the Daiva Varnashram. You know, they, they're, they're doing Asura Varnashram. Well, it should be Varnashram if people are going to do it, respecting the Vaishnavas and so forth. So he preached against that misrepresentation by the smartas, which so many people were affected by. Hmm? So that was part of the preaching program. And in, in Navadweep, there was an assassination plot. 
um, for Bhakti Siddhanta on the part of the Smartas. You can understand he was causing some commotion. Hmm? At the time, um, I believe it was Keshav Maharaj who looked similar to Bhakti Siddhanta Sarasthi Thakur. He convinced another Bhakti Siddhanta Sarasthi Thakur to, to have put Keshav Maharaj in the dress of Bhakti Siddhanta. Bhakti Siddhanta in a white dress. So that if they would try to kill, they would, they would, Keshav Maharaj's life would be taken or in, in danger. Hmm. Bhakti Siddhanta resisted, but all the disciples insisted it. And there was an attack, and so well, nobody was. Nobody was good, but they tried. They, they tried to assassinate him. Hmm? Or, yeah, for you know, breaking up their their religion, and that's how they were making a living off the people, um, selling the mantras and pujas and so on and so forth. So powerful uh, preaching hmm? um, to the religious community about what it's not and what it is to the Advaitin community on the on the religious level and on the on the philosophical mystical uh, renunciate level hmm? what is the way to Vedanta what is Mayavad hmm? and then um, establishing temples it wasn't typical of Gaudiya Vaishnavas at the time to establish temples although the Swamis did with the patronage of the kings as we know um, Bhakti Siddhanta was establishing these big temples and worshipped like other religious people would do but it was Bharata and Krishna Chaitanya Mahaprabhu and so forth so it was an incredible um, um, contribution, and reaching uh, you know the foreign shores as it has, and here we are um, today. So this is the bigger idea of the Yukta Bhairagya. and of course you know we have to address the fact that um, it, it can be uh, abused, and, and who was Bhakti Siddhanta to be able to do those things? And, uh, it, he took no personal pleasure in riding in a motor car. Your guru would say, I need my Mercedes, I'm a guru now, I have to show everybody my Porsche. So, <laughs> they could, you could see how they could be abused. The idea is you can use things even in the modern world, like the tape recorder, for example, whatever the computer, service of Bhagavan, as long as they're not being, you're not being used by them. Or to that extent, so that's the idea, of course, not to be used by things of the world. That's material life. So it's the power of bhakti that it can do such. It can use things of the world, but one has to have bhakti to do that. Some blessing, some be under the auspices of a devotee who can do that, and then accordingly we conduct ourselves um, in relation to things of the world. Again, not being enamored by them, but um, using them in the service of, of Krishna. So it's an extension of the idea of, of Yuktavarag, and I think it's very um, insightful in what he did. Uh, no one can criticize and who has any kind of brain in Vaishnava. We can, we can disagree with some of the whether whether some of those tactics were useful at this time or not, but even if they were not as useful at the time, the overall composite was useful, successful. Even if they were not maybe the best strategy at the time, you could think it could have been done another way. That's that's all, you know. They say, uh, what's the saying? Hindsight, 
Hindsight is twenty twenty. You follow? Hindsight is twenty. So if, if 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 today I want to look back and say, should have done it like this. Well, okay, <laughs> but when you're there at that time, it's another thing. It's easy to say that they should have done it like this. You could say he should have done it like this. He should have done it like this. Then this problem would have arisen. It would never arisen over here. And now we have to deal with that. Or some, in any preaching strategy, there are going to be some downside, some upside. And, but you have to look at the overall composite. What is the result? And you have to bow down, don't pranam to that result of the bhakti guru prabhu. I don't care who you are, what who your great guru is, what your lineage is, and so forth. Nityananda Prabhu himself participated in that work, you know, empowering Prabhupada to extend it, my, my Guru Marshall, and the way that he did around the world. It's uh, it's incredible. And again, I said, you know, he didn't always write with the sharpest of pen in terms of the details of Gaudiya Vaishnavism. Not expected that he would, given that he was traveling all over the world at the same time and organizing a mission and so on. So that's left to us sharpen the pencil on a few few details and and um, uh, go into some more depth what is the, what is the philosophy and so forth um, rather than just being preoccupied with the dissemination alone <clears throat> to shore up the troops so to speak and, and, and to use Prabhupada's own analogy boil the milk at a certain point there should be some boiling of the milk so you know, things come full circle right hmm? There's some place now for boiling the milk. Prabhupada wasn't wasn't doing that, but he talked about it more than once. You could say, well, they were boiling the milk, and Bhakti Milk came along, and then you know, started turning it into burfi and paneer and mm-hmm. and, and sending it all over the world and so forth. Uh, and but there can be problems with that too. And so it can come full circle. Now it's time. Well, Step back and boil the milk, something like that. And so, um, Shira Marsh encouraged us to do new relief work. Mm-hmm. So the devotees, let them go deep, help them go deeper, and be more solidified in their understanding of bhakti. And so, we do some of that work. We also do the outreach, of course. But um, so, whoever you are, you, know, you, you have to bow to that. If you don't, you don't understand what that was about. What was the work of Bhakti Vinod, Bhakti Siddhanta, Bhakti Vinod Swami, and so forth? Um, practically speaking, all the Gaudi lineages and other Vaishnava lineages have um, a foothold in the world because of the work of our Paribhara. That's just a fact, hmm? undeniable fact. So, can't uh, criticize the person's putting food on your table. Right? People, are, people are coming through this part where maybe they join other ones. And so, I mean, they're, they're getting, they need some overflow. And they may have something to contribute, some wealth as, as well. I mean, we, don't, we don't doubt that necessarily. But, but uh, Prabhupada himself was very... Uh, you know, he didn't want to preach in certain ways or about certain topics because for, or for the very reason that it would impair the wide outreach. He militated against certain um, 
um, I say, let's say a particular approach to the tradition, like bhajan, uh, in some ways going deeper, not only because the students may not have been qualified, but by in his own explanation, it will ruin the preaching. The preaching will stop. Yes, Rupa Goswami said in, in Upadesha Amrita, that the best thing is to do is reside on the banks of the of Radhakund, and, and, but then all the preaching will stop. That was his estimation. So he knew what he was doing. And of course he, he, he knew also that if you do kirtan, all these wonderful things, valuable things, high things will come within you as, as well. So he, 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 yeah, I think he had some respect also for, it's um, really for saints, but he, who weren't doing that, budget and Nandis and so on, but it wasn't what he was doing. And he, he didn't want that to get in the way of what he was doing. What he was doing was, was, was important, as I said. Now we should all hold hands, come together and share the wealth and make a strong Godi Vaishnav community in the world. We don't meet anybody else. We've got enough of us. Get everybody on the same page. Stop arguing. Decide which day is it God to see. <laughs> and uh, I follow it. Uh, and I appreciate the different uh, um, uh, Acharya's uh, contributions and peculiarities, particularities, um, and so on and so forth. Uh, this, is, this is required. This is required. And it will spread... Gaudiya Vaishnavism as well. That's my opinion. That help? Yes. Is he, when we make offerings, Vaishnava Parat, Oats, Dhamma Parat, Guru Parat, and we can face with the Kirtan, what exactly means Kirtan? Well, first of all, I was speaking about save Aparad. So, if you do uh, save Aparad to the deities, then it can be counteracted by Kirtan. If you offend a Vaishnava, you have to approach that Vaishnava and get forgiveness or his disciples and so forth. But what is Kirtan? You take some of these and you sing Hare Krishna. That's Kirtan. And, and how you know you do the correct kirtan? Because if you ask the question like that, then you must be right, because it means you want to do it right. You wouldn't ask the question if you didn't want to do it right. So the sincerity to want to do it right, that is all, that, that's doing it right. Everything else will follow. If you do it wrong in every way, but your heart is in the right place, then, then it will be heard by Krishna. And he'll say, I think you should have said it like this. Right? I think you meant that, right? You understand? He'll say, hmm. You were chanting some mantra from the, some verse from the Gita, praising him, pronouncing it all wrong. Say it wrong. But your heart is in the right place. Krishna will hear that. And then you'll want to do it right, in form, hmm? naturally, because you're sincere. So to ask the question like that is indicative of one's sincerity of purpose. And that's the main thing that must be in place. Therefore, in Gita, Krishna says, 
Arjun was concerned about doing it wrong. He said, Well, if I give up the Dharma, the Varnashram, what's going to happen to me? There are so many things. If I, I'm a Chhatri, if I don't do this and I don't do this, then I'm guilty of violating the Dharma. The punishment for which is, you know, I'm going to have to go to hell or something like that. So, but you're telling me to give it up and do yoga. And, and, and ultimately to, to do bhakti yoga. But then he says, what if I'm unsuccessful in that field? Because it's not easy. You said we have to control the mind. And I think, Arjuna said, controlling the mind is like Vientia, vienta, vienta, viento. Trying to control the wind. How do you do that? Hmm. Es una dolor, dolor de la, de la mente. <laughs> How am I going to do that? He, so he thought, you know, I do Varnashram, I'm like a dharmic guy, I'm a, I'm a leader. I've got that. I'm doing that. I'm doing that right. You're telling me to give it up and do something else. It seems really hard. I don't know. I might not be successful. Then what will happen to me? I gave up one thing to do something else. If I was successful in that something else, then that made made up for my not doing the Dharma. But what if I'm not successful in yoga? And in more than one way, Krishna tells Arjuna, no, there's no. He says, even if you're not successful, you go to heaven, which is the result of doing the dharma successfully. You understand? If you do the dharma successfully, you go to heaven. He says, if you do the yoga but you're unsuccessful, you go to heaven, and then you come back again, take birth in a pious family, and your yoga sanskar comes back, and you go and do it again. Hmm? And if you are more practiced. And you're not successful, you don't go to heaven, but you take birth in the home of Vaishnavas. And and you pursue where you left off in your bhakti. And then he goes on to say this, He refers to tata, tata means, oh my dear son, don't think like that. Full of affection, Krishna says, no, don't, don't think like that. That you'll be unsuccessful. Naikal in a good kashchid. Do it in tatakajati. Shiramarsh poetically translated it. Sincerity is invincible. One who wants to do the right thing is sincere. Your heart's in the right place. That's, that's, that's the most important thing. So if you want to be successful in bhakti, you can't fail in bhakti. You can go slower. If you offend bhakti, okay, that's another thing. Hmm. That's a, that's a different issue. Uh, we want to, we teach about what are the offenses. We want to avoid that. Hmm. But um, even if you do make the offense, and even if you offend bhakti, still that that event that offense will have a reaction that has a time, and it will come and pass, and again. Uh, you'll find yourself interested in bhakti. Hmm. 
Therefore, Krishna, when he began to speak about yoga in the second chapter of the Gita, he spoke about bhakti when he said, Neha bhikramanashusti pratibhaina vidyate svalpamapyasadhanamasya chayate matovayat. A little Neha bhikramanashusti pratibhaina vidyate svalpamapi, svalpam, svalp, svalpa. Very little. There's a little bit of practice in this. Even a little bit will never be lost. A little gain in this will never be lost. That can't be nishkam karma yoga. That can't be jnana yoga. Hmm. Karma yoga is in rajaguna. Jnana yoga is in sattvaguna. For the effect to be enduring, it cannot arise out of the sattvaguna even, but to speak of the rajaguna. Because all the results from rajaguna and tamaguna are temporary. So he says, Neha Bhakramanashi Pratyavahana Vidyate Svalpamapiyasya In this Dharma that I'm now going to explain to you, he told Arjun, look, stop this with the Dharma stuff. You know, what will happen to the family and the ladies and what about this and that and if I don't believe the battle, you're not the body. What about that? You're concerned about human society and I'm telling you, you're your human dress is only as valuable as you realize that it's just that. A dress. You're an atma. Hmm? You talk about killing people or not killing people, and I'm teaching that you don't, that, that nobody dies. So I take it to another level. Having done that, stunned Arjun, he says, now let me tell you about yoga, which is the means by which you can realize what I'm saying here, theoretically. Hmm? And he begins with bhakti. And he says, this bhakti, any endeavor that's eternal, the results can't be destroyed. So, you can't lose. You can't be, therefore you have these so many statements. Even if you follow, even if you're blind and stumble, chant and chant in your sleep, even there'll be benefit. The idea of sutta bhakti, it's, it's coming from above, this bhakti, it's powerful. These aren't excuses for going slow or not paying attention. These are saying, these statements are what to speak then if you actually apply yourself sincerely and try what the result will be. We shouldn't go, oh, it's great. I just chant my sleep and I'll be fine. Hmm. Those are statements to emphasize. Hmm. What are the virtues of applying yourself? So, a little bit of sincerity. This is what it required. Uh, Krishna says uh, details are one thing hmm. essence is another thing so we should do the details right we should learn all that but heart must be in the right place and even if it's not then eventually the details will come in place because you'll want to know how to do it right so wanting to know to do it right that's you got it right chant with that in mind hmm. Then there are technical details. All right, what's the time? Uh, 7.35. Stop there. Sri Guru